Welcome to another episode of Meredith with a Y. And today I am diving back into my normal addiction of alcohol. And if you have anything that you might ask yourself, I might be going a little overboard on the shopping, the smoking, the drinking, the whatever it is. I think this episode might be for you. So stay with me. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Hello, and welcome back. If you are listening on the podcast, thank you so much for listening. If you are here with me live, thanks so much for joining me, whether you're on Facebook or LinkedIn or YouTube, wherever you're finding me this morning um, or today, I really appreciate you tuning in. But today I want to just jump back in one more time and talk about this, this, you know, sober curious, or if you think, well, you know what, that thing that I do, that overworking out or um, overworking or alcohol or whatever, um, might be teetering on a little bit too much and I'm getting a little concerned or my doctor's concerned or whatever. And so this Wednesday, I think it'll be five weeks of not drinking, not because I'm an alcoholic, but because it started being stupid to drink and I didn't understand what my end game was. Uh, One drink, three drinks, a bottle of wine just stopped making sense for me. I stopped sleeping well. I was up at 1 a.m., 3 a.m., tossing and turning. I woke up poofy as heck. I've already lost um, in the last five weeks about 10 pounds just from not drinking and walking and Actually, now I'm drinking more water. And so, uh, but that's not what I'm here to talk about today. What I want to talk about today actually is all of the nuances that I'm finding from not drinking. And I went home to Ohio this weekend, that's where I'm from, and spent time with family and friends. And I had a couple moments where I felt that I want to drink, um, nudge coming back in. I met some friends out on um, what was it? Uh, Thursday night. And as I was going to the bar, I'm like, oh my God, I really want to go. I want to have a glass of wine. I want to have a beer. I want to have fun. And as soon as I got there, I relaxed and I was fine. I ordered an iced tea and everything was good. But the interesting thing that happened out of all of that was that they actually didn't want to drink either. And once and they told me they had seen my um, TikTok saying that I wasn't drinking and they were actually really happy that I wasn't drinking because it gave them an excuse to not drink. And I was, I just thought that was the coolest thing ever because how often are we doing stuff even as adults, because kind of like everyone else is doing it, even though it might not like we might not want one or we might not be feeling it tonight. We know we got something in the morning or whatever, but we do it anyways. And it was just really cool to sit there with some girlfriends all night, laughing, cutting up, you know, doing, doing the girlfriend thing. And at one point, my one friend actually said, you know, everyone in this bar thinks that we're wasted right now, but we're all totally sober. And, and that's the other thing I want to talk about is through this journey in these last few weeks, I have found my childhood joy. And that's really what I want to talk about today because I have had a smoking addiction. I 
believe now looking back that um, I, I feel that if, if you're drinking more than one or two drinks a week, you probably are teetering on an addiction issue. And, um, and so I, I know that I had some sort of addiction, if you will, to drinking because I can feel it in my body now that it's hard for me sometimes to not drink, even though it's becoming very normal. I can still feel those first. Like I went to my you know, first White Sox game and didn't drink alcohol and I could feel myself like, oh, geez, I can go to this game and have a bunch of drinks and I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's yikes. Um, we considered going to a Browns game. How am I going to go to a Browns game and not drink? Yikes. Um, but as the weeks have unfolded of me not drinking, um, and this speaks to, I believe, humanity or addiction as a whole. I have found my my childhood joy. Because when you are inside of an addiction, okay, so if anyone out there has ever smoked, all right, your every minute of the day, if you're a smoker, if you are a smoker, not like, a, well, I smoke when I have a couple of beers, but I mean like a smoker. And when I say I was a smoker, like I love cigarettes, like give me 22 packs, yum. And all day, that's all you think about is when I'm going to get to smoke. When is this meal over so I can go smoke? When do I wake up so I can go to smoke? I'm going to have a cigarette before I go to bed. So your entire life kind of revolves around when you can go have a cigarette. And so I'm realizing whether I noticed it in the same capacity or not, that my joy actually surrounded in, in many senses of when I can go drink. And I didn't recognize this until I stopped. So, oh, I can't wait till Friday. Woohoo! We're gonna like, we're gonna have so much fun. My friends are gonna come over. We're gonna crack some beers, yay! Or I can't wait till we go to that concert. I'm gonna pregame, um, and then we're gonna go to the concert and we're gonna get shit faced, right? And so, um, or I can't wait till four o'clock. I can't wait till five o'clock when it's time to make dinner and I can open the bottle of wine. And so. I knew because it's so it's such an itch, it's such a nudge when you smoke that you want to go have a cigarette. But with drinking, it's more like I can't wait till tonight. Smoking it, I can't wait for the next five minutes to have a cigarette. Okay, so it's it's much more in your face with cigarettes. But with drinking, um, when it you're a habitual drinker, meaning you drink um, most days of the week. Your happiness is at its peak when you're finally allowed to have that drink. That's the peak of happiness. And so you get through your day, you get through your week, you get through your work year so that you can go on vacation to go to an all-inclusive and get shit-faced, right? You get through whatever to get to go to the football game so you can have an excuse to sit around with your boys or your girls and drink. Okay. I didn't realize this. I didn't realize I was doing this. 
because now that these addictions are off my plate, which I will talk about a new addiction, <laughs> there's, there's something to be a human, I guess, for addiction, but I'll talk about that too. Um, but now I realize that since I have nothing to get to, there's, there's no end game for me. There's no, Ooh, I get to go have a drink at four o'clock tonight. Or when my husband gets home, we're going to open a bottle of wine. There's no, Oh, on Friday, I'm going to go out and party. That, that doesn't exist for me anymore. I've taken that off the table. <laughs> I've taken, I've taken those peak moments, those peak opportunities of getting wasted or having a glass of wine or going out to dinner and having some drinks. That's off the table for me. <laughs> and I got to tell you, it's sobering in more than one way. Like it's sobering in the sense of, holy shit, like I got to figure this out all day, all day that I have to find my joy. And I would say over the last, I would say a week and a half, I have found a joy that I haven't experienced since I was probably 15 years old. The deep, hearty, present, joyful laugh that has no alcohol induced. Because when you start your evening or your, you know, your drink moment, and you know, it could be a Bloody Mary at 9 a.m. It could be, you know, cutting vegetables, making dinner at four o'clock in the afternoon, evening. Um, it could be a Friday night, whatever that is. There is a dopamine release with that first drink or two um, that is very euphoric. That's basically what we're doing, right? That we're we're looking for that dopamine, feel good. I love this. I'm so lucky. I get to do some like drinking with my friends. That feels good. Feels really good, right? And I can't find it because it doesn't exist because I've taken it off the table. And so as the weeks have unfolded, I'm finding joy without having to have that big dopamine hit because I've taken that trigger, that, that moment off the table. It has kind of leveled the playing field of my brain to kind of always being at a baseline um, because I'm not hitting, you know, if you ever studied psychology, right, there's the mouse in the box and it keeps hitting the, the trigger and getting its cocaine. And so the mouse keeps hitting its trigger to get the cocaine. Well, there's something that they didn't talk about in that study. And I, I don't know who did the study. Look it up. It's the mouse hitting the cocaine, getting the cocaine study, right? Um, there's something that they missed talking about in that study, and that is the fact that the mouse was trapped. The mouse was in a box. And so its only, only stimulation was hitting the, the thing, the, the, the tapping thing to get the cocaine, right? It was trapped. And when it's trapped, that's the only high it gets. And so as I started working on this project in Michigan with this island house, I wasn't trapped anymore. I wasn't trapped in the everyday housewife, you know, um, and there's nothing wrong with being a housewife. There's nothing wrong with being a mom. There's nothing wrong with these things. But I think that we need to push ourselves to have, to not be inside of a box. We need to really be still creative so that the only outlet, the only trigger that we can push 
isn't booze at four or five o'clock at night. We need to stay inside of our creativity. We need to stay inside of, you know, expansion and awakening our souls and finding things that light us up. You know, and I know a lot of people around here play like pickleball or paddleball or, you know, exercise or, you know, a lot, a lot of people have, you know, careers and whatnot. But we need to remember that we will turn to addiction to the point of killing ourselves, whatever that is. Could be ruining our lives through drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, um, working out too much, working too much, uh, whatever it is, too many video games. If we feel trapped, if we feel like we are in a box with nowhere to go, nowhere to expand to, nowhere to be creative. And I started feeling this um, in December when I, I went out and I, I bought this whole like art kit, right? Like now I'm going to be an artist, right? And um, I wanted to use it alongside of the photography that I was kind of doing. And so taking my photography and painting it and creating this whole thing, which I, the piece that I did in December, I actually really like. Maybe I'll post it after this um, on my Facebook page. Um, but I could feel I needed something more. I mean, let's remember, I've been a mom for 26 years, right? So it's like, okay, I'm 50 now. It's it's time to do something. And then the um, Island House came in. And as the Island House and being creative and decorating and using my hands and being exhausted at the end of the day and finding myself outside of just being a mom and a wife and a, you know, a suburban house person, woman, you know, whatever. Um, the alcohol wasn't as important. It wasn't the dopamine hit that it once was. So as I started to find me, as I started to awaken my own creativity and love for life and expansion, my need to hit the bottle, literally, right, turned down. Because I didn't need that dopamine hit by way of a beer at the end of the day. It wasn't the best part of my day. It wasn't the fun part. It wasn't the finale anymore. And as I've removed it from my life completely over the past four plus weeks, almost five weeks, now I'm starting to find joy because the highest high of that huge dopamine hit by way of, you know, the chemical of alcohol is gone. Now the playing field's a little bit more level. And so the mundane is, is more enjoyable. Now, I will tell you, I have, um, I am doing the 75 hard. And so that's being active twice a day for 45 minutes. One of those 45 minutes have to be outside. And so I'm walking every single day. Um, and so that's really been helpful. I'm guzzling water like it's my, you know, life. So I kind of always have that bottle. Even when I went to the Sox game, I told my husband, I'm like, you've got to find me a water bottle because I am like, needing something to put my, you know, and I would drive the waitress crazy. You know, can I have another glass of water? Can I have another glass of water? Like, please get a bottle. Um, so I am doing the water. So I have kind of 
dove, dove, divin, dived <laughs> into a bit of a health routine. But I will say, um, you know, this this mind of mine, I don't know if it's the ADHD mind, I don't know if it's the trauma mind, um, has a harder time doing nothing. It has a harder time being settled. And so I do find that being active is a positive thing for me. Um, so I've downloaded some apps for working out. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I'm like this morning, I've already been on my walk, which I love because my husband and I usually we would get our coffee. We would go sit, you know, downstairs in the morning and not speak, not because we didn't like each other, but because we're on the phone. And so we get our coffee, we sit downstairs, we drink our coffee, we don't talk, we scroll the phone, we ask each other a couple of questions. Now we're getting up in the morning and we're going for an hour walk together and we're actually speaking. And he's like, well, in the beginning he was like, well, I, I like, you know, drinking coffee with you in the morning. I'm like, because we don't talk? Because now I feel connected. Now I feel less lonely because we would drink coffee, ignore each other. He'd go take a shower. He'd go off to work. And I spend the rest of the day, you know, while he's at work. But now we have this nice chunk of time in the morning where we're spending actual time together, um, which has been really great. And so if you are sober curious or, you know, not smoking curious or not shopping curious, whatever your addiction is, right? If you're curious about like, you know what, I think I might want to try that. And again, like I posted this. And if you look at last Monday's video where I'm talking about alcohol, you can see that there are some people um, that are quitting drinking at this time. And I don't know if it's because it's post-COVID and we literally drowned ourselves in alcohol for two years at home. Um, there's a comment coming up right now. Um, it looks like on Facebook, someone said um, they have been sober now for 10 days and they're super proud of themselves. And like, I will tell you, like it is, it's weird to remove this false dopamine. Let's just call it that. It's weird and interesting to remove a fake dopamine hit from your life. It's life-changing. So whatever yours is, insert addiction, insert dopamine hit, insert distraction of life, insert way to check out, right? Because when I smoked, it was, I'm going to go have a cigarette. Watch the kids. I'm going to go have a cigarette. I need five minutes. It was, I need to go check out. And because I'm incapable of checking out, I still need to do something, but I don't want to do laundry or whatever. So I'm going to go have this cigarette. And so, you know, insert whatever your checkout method is, your disassociation method, your distraction method, your me time uh, method, whatever your me time method. Okay. It's five o'clock. Mom's having her drink. Go play. Mom's having friends over. Dad's having friends over. The football game is on. Go play. Right? You see how we do this? We, you see? Or, or we're, just, we're just looking for that high. And when we remove that, life starts to get better all the time. Life starts to get better all day long. All day long. But yesterday I had a stressful moment. I was driving home from Ohio. And... um this stressful situation coming in. 
Um, and my friend just commented, I remember you smoking. Oh my God. Like she got in the car and I was having a cigarette and she's like, you cannot possibly be smoking in the car. I'm like, oh damn Skippy. And she like stuck her head out the window to like breathe because I thought it was okay. And I'm like, all right, I'll throw it out. You're a horrible friend. Um, but I felt myself yesterday as I was, um, coming home in this stressful situation with this phone call that I got. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to go walk. Like I need to go walk, but I'll take going for a walk any day over all of these other negative things. Right. So I guess pick your poison, but I am working with the 75 hard. You're supposed to read 10 pages of a nonfiction book every day, which I tend to be a reader anyway. So instead I'm doing uh, working to do 30, 20 to 30 minutes of meditation, guided meditation on YouTube every day. So really being able to be present whilst still doing nothing, even though it's still kind of doing something. But, you know, there's a part of childhood trauma for me that if you were doing nothing, you were doing nothing. See if that resonates with anybody. If you were doing nothing, you were doing nothing. And I know a lot of women struggle with doing nothing because, you know, are you cleaning your room? Are you making your bed? Did you put away your clothes? Are you doing homework? Um, are you in an activity after school? Are you, are you, are you? And now it's, you know, the constant influx of needing to accomplish and checking boxes as women makes and allows us to find our self-worth right? So doing nothing is literally doing nothing where we're starting to realize that if you can be present and do nothing, that's actually a superpower. And women have a really hard time with this, which is why I believe so many women, because women over 50 are like the number one biggest increase of alcoholics at this time. Like women over 50, we are the alcoholics. All right. Let's just put that out there. All right. And so when we have our glass of wine, when we have our cigarette, when we're doing, you know, whatever it is that we enjoy doing that gives us that hit, not only are we increasing the dopamine in our brain, but we're also doing something while doing nothing. We are doing something while doing nothing. It is an excuse. It is a reason is justified in our childhood traumatic brain where we have to be constantly freaking ass accomplishing something, right? That we are doing something. We are having our glass of wine. We are relaxing. We are sitting here listening to music, drinking a glass of wine. And so there's a part of our brain that it, it finds that acceptable, right? It finds that acceptable. We can't just sit. We have to sit and have a drink. We can't just sit. We need to sit here and have a cigarette. That's acceptable. So recognize that that goes back to childhood of needing to accomplish or you're being lazy or whatever the thing is. So I will say that for me, although some situations have been challenging, they have been far from impossible um, as far as, you know, usually it's the anticipation of going to something that is the most challenging for not drinking. But once I'm there, it's super easy. And then like once I leave and I'm not worried about drunk driving or getting a DUI or, you know, trying to fall asleep or not being able to sleep all night, then it's real easy, right? Then it's super easy. 
the the few things I wanted to I I didn't have my book with me last week, but if you're watching um, on the live here, it's quit like a woman: the radical choice to not drink in a culture obsessed with alcohol. National bestseller by Holly Whitaker. Um, second most important book I've ever read in my entire life, and it's not just because of the alcohol piece. Um, it is because it is chock full of amazing revelations throughout the entire book. Um, if I don't have it up yet on my um, on my website or whatever, I will add that today. Um, but if you are sober curious, you know, the one thing that I find fascinating about what she talks about in this book is that alcohol is not a problem for people until they quit, meaning that you can literally be a seven day a week drinker, you know, 20 plus drinks a week and you're normal. It's when you quit drinking that people think that you're a weirdo right? And alcohol is the only drug that we blame the person and not necessarily the drug. So if you look at like opioids, it's like, yeah, um, that person got addicted because they had back pain and they started taking oxy and then they got addicted. Like oxy's really bad, right? Oxy's bad. But with alcohol, we're like, oh, that person's an alcoholic. They have the problem. It's not the alcohol. What? Alcohol is three times more addictive than almost all other drugs out there. But we blame the person. They are flawed. The alcoholic is flawed because they are incapable of, of ingesting ethanol. That, that's a them problem? How about, because if we blamed the alcohol then the rest of us would be alcohol addicts, like opioid addicts. And we don't mess with alcohol in this country. We don't mess with the, you know, the societal norm of drinking. So if we started blaming alcohol like we blame cocaine, opioids, meth, whatever, right, if we started blaming alcohol in the same way and said, well, that person's an alcoholic because alcohol is bad. What does that mean for us? Then what do we do? Then what do we do? Because we are taking part in a drug and it's a drug issue. It's not, it's, when we look at alcoholics, we could be like, well, that person's messed up. I can drink alcohol safely. They have the problem not the alcohol's problem. It's a them problem. Think about that. It's the only drug that we 100% blame the person. I find that fascinating. I never looked at it that way before. But when we look at opioids, we go, oh yeah, they had back problems. They got hooked on opioids because opioids is a bitch. There's actually a um, documentary, I, I think it's on Netflix that's, that's coming out. I think it's number one actually in TV shows I looked last night and it's about this opioid ep epidemic. Again, it's the drugs problem. It's opioids problem. The people just get addicted to it, but it's the drugs issue. We do not look at alcohol that way. It's the person's issue they're broken. They have the problem. It's not alcohol because we all drink alcohol. Think how crazy that is. 
Why do we do this as a country? Because if we started to look at alcohol like an addictive, destructive drug, then what? Then what do we do? Fascinating. The other thing that um, she talks about in here that really hit me hard in the book, Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker, is she talks about the, um, the fact that AA, good program, created by white males for white males. So when you go into AA, you are going in to basically surrender. Um, you surrender to the fact that you have no control um, underneath this drug of alcohol. That is the concept of AA. Like I have no control over my, you know, myself. Um, and that that's something that maybe a white man who is an elevated member of society may need to do, right? They might need to go in and go, you know, I thought I had this figured out, but I sort of kind of don't, right? I sort of don't have alcohol figured out. But women, women and minorities, we need to actually be empowered. We need to be empowered in the daily life. We need to be told, no, you do have a voice. You do have power over everything in your life. You can find yourself. And I will tell you, after I have found myself, after I have gotten rid of the shitty friends, after I've gotten rid of, go back and listen to um, my whole thing on avoidant attachment, my healing fantasy with my family, my healing fantasy with humanity, and realize that I will never be good enough for everyone to like me. I will never be the exact person that my mom and my dad maybe wanted me to be. And that's okay. I don't need to wait for that to be a whole person, right? So as I have removed all of this crap in my life, I have actually become empowered and found myself and found my voice and found passions and found my creativity in in this way that I don't, don't need to fulfill myself or drown myself or disassociate from reality inside of alcohol. So women and minorities, as they find their power and find themselves and claim their power, which is the exact opposite of what AA asks of you, women and minorities actually are capable of then not disassociating and finding the best part of their freaking day inside of a glass of wine because the whole world is out to get them. The whole world is telling them you don't have a voice and we don't want to hear from you and, and, and. Think about that. Women and minorities have a very different need and a very different reason for drinking and a very different way of getting out of their addiction. It is by empowering them. Whereas by with men, white men, it is by humbling them. And so AA might not be for women and minorities. You might need to find a different route. You might need to find yourself. You might need to go on the healing journey. And I believe that that's why so many women and people at this time are becoming sober curious. 
are starting to question, do I need this in my life anymore? Is this working out for me? Is this, is this fulfilling the thing that I thought it was going to fulfill? A few years ago, um, I had like this download. If you, if you don't listen to me normally or watch me normally, I am a psychic medium and channel. And I got this channeled message a few years ago. And it was such that an addiction is something that starts off as a truth, but ends up being a lie. And this came in so clearly. And at the time, because I'm clearly not addicted to alcohol um, or wasn't, um, at the time it was smoking, right? And so I tried to imagine based on this channeled message that came down that smoking started off as a truth. Okay, so what truth is that, right? So I thought back to when I started smoking. And when I started smoking um, the first time was at age 16. I was moving out of my mom's house and I was moving into my dad's house. And it was before I was actually moving into my dad's house. So I was literally between two homes. It was like this one week my friend invited me down to um, Hilton Head, South Carolina. And I had just moved out of my mom's. So I wasn't living there. And I was just moving into my dad's, but hadn't quite moved in yet. So I wasn't living there. And so I was hanging out in South Carolina for one week in between. Spring break, 16, visiting a friend. She was like, went to school in Hilton Head. Like, how cool is that? Right. And she had a car. So we go down to Hilton Head and I don't have parents. Like there's a part of me that doesn't sort of have parents, right? I'm not in trouble there. I'm not in trouble there. No one's telling me what to do there. No one's telling me what to do there. I am living the life. So I'm 16. I don't have any kind of thing going on, right? And so we go down, my friend smokes. And so I was like, yeah, give me a Newport Stripe. Hello, menthol. That's my jam. So I start smoking. I start smoking Newport Stripes, $1.34 a pack. Can you imagine? Now they're like $10 a pack. $1.34 a pack. I start smoking then. And I will say I probably never quit smoking until I was 23. So I smoked a solid three, four, seven years at that point. Um, just so you know. But what was what was the what was the what was the thing that started off as a truth? And so I, I, I dove into when I started smoking, what was the truth that I believed? And the truth that I believed that was that I was free. It was freedom. Smoking was a moment of freedom. And smoking was a moment of freedom continued in my life to present, to present, to be perfectly honest getting a cigarette and going and being alone and having a moment is a freedom. But it's also a lie. Because as you move into your addiction, whatever it is, that freedom, that escape, that distraction, that disassociation, whatever that thing was that you started doing that gave you that high is now a lie. It's now a ball and chain. Now, instead of getting to go have a cigarette, you have to go have a cigarette. You think about it all day. Now, instead of just having a drink, 
It goes with everything. It's everywhere. It's all the time. It might be to the point where you drink when you wake up in the morning. You might be, you know, on the verge of cirrhosis. If you might not be able to have fun anymore without a drink, that right there is the question. Can you have fun and not do your addiction, whatever it is? Can you find joy without being inside of your moment of your choice of addiction? Because what drinking used to be stopped being that for me. I, you know, some people are like, oh my God, I have a glass of wine. And I sleep like a baby. It didn't, it, it stopped being that. It stopped being fun. It stopped being a checkout. It stopped being a moment. We're going to go have some drinks, you know? And, and I would say because of my, because I really study things when I'm a part of it, you know, when I'm, I'm in it, like I, I really kind of settle in. I would say to you, if you don't think that you have a problem with drinking, stop doing it for 30 days and see if you have a problem with drinking. Because I will tell you the social, the physical, the emotional attachment that we have to alcohol or whatever your drug of choice is, whatever your addiction is. It is. It goes so hand in hand with your social, with your fun, with your checkout, with your evenings that you don't even know. You don't even realize how ingrained it is to associate fun with the dopamine hit of alcohol. It's your checkout. And if you don't think you have a problem, if you don't think that this is an issue, don't do it for 30 days. Don't do it for 60 days. See what happens. Just don't do it. Because I said to someone the other day, if you are having more than one or two drinks a week, I think you have a problem with alcohol. I don't care if you only drink on the weekends. If you drink more than two drinks a, you know, a week, I think you have a problem with alcohol. And that is not popular. That's not a popular opinion. No one wants their booze messed with. No one wants their fun time messed with. But I'm going to tell you, and I promise you, I promise you, if you can give it a few weeks and get that out of your system and redefine what joy is, you are going to laugh like you did when you were a kid. You are going to laugh and find joy in normal life, in the life outside of boozing, in the life outside of your five o'clock glass of wine. You're going to find more joy more often with more people every moment of the day when you take away the thing that you have always leaned on that's fun, that's your checkout. If you don't think you have a problem, if you, if you don't think that alcohol is an issue, give it 30 days. See if what I'm saying is true. Because I'm telling you right now, I have found the joy I haven't found in decades in the same hearty, laugh, laughing way. And you're probably going to lose a ton of weight while you're at it because you're not going to overeat. You're going to be starting to walk. You're going to drink more water. Trust me, you're going to get in shape real quick. Go back and look at my videos from like even a month ago. My face does not look like this. Waking up puffy, my eyes are swollen, my cheeks are out to here. 
So if even if you want to just do it for health reasons, give yourself 30 days. Give yourself 30 days and see what happens. I appreciate everyone being here. I appreciate everyone listening and, you know, on the podcast. If you're not listening to the podcast, I have about 142 episodes. And no, they're not all in alcohol. So go check them out. That's at Meredith, at a y, Meredith with a Y. Everywhere podcasts are found. I will see you here next Monday at 9 a.m. Central in on LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube Live. So tell your friends, if you have a friend out there that you want to be sober curious with and maybe challenge each other for 30 days, go uh, send them this video or the audio if you're on podcast. And I will see you guys here next week. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillets.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.